Welcome to the Steroids Podcast with your host, Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Steroids Podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Guide to Roids, 109-page ebook by Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Now, for the first time in bodybuilding history, you have someone with no corporate interests and no obligation to please anyone, not walking on eggshells to not offend. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the information, the whole information, the whole truth, not a full truth and a half-truth. Full truth. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the keys to the Lamborghini, gives you the information, and lets you decide what to do with it. It's a crime this information has been suppressed this long. Now let's get on with the podcast. Okay, let's get started with the first question of the day. And this one is from Swollen Beast. My first cycle is okay. D-ball only? Everyone say use testosterone. All right, Swollen Beast. Get ready for this first D-ball cycle because you're about to get swole because that's what D-ball does when you start taking it. So like the first like three to five days you take it, you swell up inside of your muscles. It's not real muscle tissue. It only stays while you're on the drug. And then after some more time goes by, then you start to build muscle tissue that stays after you're done with the drug. But you're going to get swole, bro, because you're going to swell up inside your muscles with muscle fuel, carbohydrate, glycogen storage, and water in the first three to five days of your cycle. And you're going to be looking a lot different. It's going to look like solid muscle. Uh, you can use D-ball only without testosterone. And actually, you can still have a pretty good sex drive and also have good muscle building effects. But... Um, you're going to have to run a low dose of the D-ball and you're going to have to run it for a long time. So you're going to have to run it, you know, not like three or four weeks. You're going to have to be running it like eight to 12 weeks at a low dosage in order to make real gains that are going to be muscle tissue. They're not just going to be you swelling up while you have the D-ball drug in your system. And then when you stop taking the D-ball, well, that swelling has no reason to stay and goes away. So in order to prevent that on a D-ball only cycle, you have to take it for a low dose for a long duration and build up your strength. Okay? That's the way that like Arnold Schwarzenegger used to do it back in the 70s. They would take long cycles of D-ball at low dosages. And so usually that means around 15, 20, 25, 30 milligrams per day. All right? So yeah, swollen beast, you're about to get swole on D-ball. Okay. Next question is from Dimitri. Hey man, I want to ask you a question. You seem knowledgeable. What do you think about taking Accutane without doctor's supervision for clearing up acne? I don't have acne from steroids. It's teen acne. Or is it better to go to a dermatologist? Yeah, it's better to go to a dermatologist because Accutane, a lot of people do use it if they have severe steroid-related acne. Uh, it changes your body permanently. It causes cell death in the uh, oil glands of your hair, of your hair follicles. And so then the, the oil, those oil glands actually die permanently. And so one of the side effects of... Um, Accutane use is having like dry everything because it really, it stops, it targets all of your oil glands. Uh, so sometimes people have dry eyes and shit like that. It's also like a pretty potent toxin. So it can have pretty se severe health effects too, taking it. Uh, that's why doctors only use it as a last result last resort for acne after they've gone through like uh, isotretinoin uh, topical gel and antibiotics like tetracycline, minocycline um, for acne, then the last resort is, uh, you know, checking in every two weeks or one month for a blood test is how they require you to do it for Accutane because it's a really harsh drug with bad side effects on basically every uh, health marker. And then also, for example, if a woman is pregnant and she's on Accutane, if she gets pregnant, 
the baby has a 50% chance of being born deformed. So it's a pretty potent toxin, Accutane. Don't want to take it unless it's a last resort. So yeah, go to your doctor and get uh, antibiotics like tetracycline or try out isotretinoin gel, which is a topical form of uh, Accutane that you apply to your face. Burns pretty bad for about 60 seconds every morning when you put it on. Okay, Pat says, Walking Human Steroid Encyclopedia. Damn, that's a cool name. That's like, you know what? When I read that, Pat, I was like, damn, that is a cool title. That is a cool title. This is the favorite message that I've had since the last episode of the podcast when that guy called me a roided Seth Rogan. Now it's human walking human steroid encyclopedia, but I feel more pride in that one. Maybe you can answer this question for the next podcast. During blast and cruise, is it even necessary to take vitamins and minerals? Krill, fish oil, NAC, Tudka, liver care, live 52, calcium D, glute, glucarate. Uh, yeah, so... It's good to do healthy things. It's good to eat healthy on cycle, to eat natural foods, not processed foods. So, you know, single ingredient foods where you eat natural foods that natural humans in their natural habitat would have hunted and gathered. That's always going to put your health at the best it can be while you are using steroids. Uh, Some people uh, use some protectant for their organs, uh, like you were talking about liver care supplements. I've never used any. Uh, I do take omega-3 because it's uh, essential oil and you can't get it, uh, you you can't manufacture it in your body. The only way to get it is through your diet and it's essential for building muscle for one thing. It creates the, uh, the membranes, the membranes outside the, uh, at the edge of the border of the cell of the muscle cells, but then it's also really important for your brain too. So yeah, I take, I take krill oil. I take uh, three of those, three of those krill oil capsules every day, but I never took any, uh, liver care or anything like that. Uh, the best, the best way, uh, if you like have high blood pressure, cause that's like probably the most common blood work, uh, side effect, or I, I mean, it's not even blood work. It's just, uh, you know, taking your blood pressure with a cuff. Uh, that's one of the main side effects that plug, plagues steroid users so the way to do that is to reduce your carbohydrate intake Uh, the reason for that is because carbohydrates cause you to take on water i've mentioned this in the past that every one gram of carbohydrates that you eat carries with it in storage to your body and what it has to bring to go through your digestion two grams of water so you're directly putting more and more water into your body and more and more volume inside of your body when you eat carbohydrates. And so, you know, what happens when you put more volume into the same size uh, container, you know, the, the pressure increases. So when you put the carbohydrates that come with the water into your body, you know, you're increasing the pressure on your body, it increases your blood pressure. And uh, that uh, steroids increase your blood pressure and having high blood pressure can destroy your kidneys uh, over time. So it's something that you really don't want to have because, you know, people with destroyed kidneys, they have to go on dialysis. That's really bad. It filters your blood. So, you know, having low blood pressure is good. And if you're a steroid user and you have high blood pressure, dude, let me tell you, it's not in our natural human diet to eat a lot of carbohydrates when we were hunters and gatherers and we were evolving. So like if your diet has like a ton of carbs in it and you have high blood pressure, dude, I know it goes against conventional wisdom and I know people don't want to hear it, but this is the truth, man. If you just like cut out those carbohydrates, like even just go like keto diet for like one week, dude, chances, chances are very strong. I'm not a doctor, so I can't say like, Oh, this will happen. Okay. But if I was, I would say this would happen is that, uh, your freaking blood pressure is not going to be a problem anymore. It's, it's actually incredible when you see the effects of removing carbohydrates from your diet completely and what it does to your blood pressure if you have high blood pressure. Uh, so that's, that's the health tip I have for you today. All right, next question. This one is from D. D asks, 
Since taking AAS, anabolic androgenic steroids, is what that stands for, the volume of semen ejaculate has severely diminished. Is there any supplements that can be taken to increase the volume to normal amounts, providing that this is a commonality? Uh, yeah, yeah. So that that is common. That's not unusual at all. It would be uncommon not to experience that since taking steroids shuts your natural production of testosterone and sperm off because your the part of your brain called your hypothalamus can detect hormone levels in your body. And when you take steroids, you're putting hormones into your body. And when the hypothalamus notices that there's hormones to a certain level, it turns off its own production. So it doesn't secrete this stuff called gonadotrophin-releasing hormone. And gonadotrophin-releasing hormone goes down to your pituitary gland, and it stimulates your pituitary gland to release luteinizing hormone and follicle-stimulating hormone, which then those are the uh, hormones that go down to your testicles and make them create sperm and testosterone. So that's called the HPTA, the hypothalamic testicular pituitary axis. And so that shuts off when you take steroids uh, because it shuts off when that hypothalamus, it doesn't release any gonadotrophin-releasing hormone when it notices that there's a certain threshold of androgens and estrogens in the blood. So that's why you're not, your reproductive system shut shut off. So that's why you're not really creating sperm. And the way to uh, fix that is you can take Clomid. It doesn't really work that well, but taking Clomid at like 50 milligrams a day or 50 milligrams every other day will make that come back because it works directly on your hypothalamus. Uh, to start, even though you're on steroids, it, it tricks your hypothalamus like uh, to think that you're not on steroids. So then you get the gonadotrophin-releasing hormone release, which goes to the pituitary gland, and the pituitary gland starts releasing some follicle-stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone. But the uh, the best way to increase the semen is to take the HCG, so that's human chorionic gonadotrophin. You take this at about 2,000 IUs per week if you're you know completely shut off like that where you're not producing much. Uh, so you take like two shots of 1,000 IUs uh, intramuscularly of HCG per week, and that s- simulates the uh, luteinizing hormone uh, of the of the pituitary gland. It's the testicles will recognize the HCG as luteinizing hormone and uh, the follicle stimulating hormone from the pituitary gland, which is the other hormone that it re- that it releases. Uh, isn't as important for testicular function. Uh, it's it's good. It's better for fertility, but you're going to be able to get the the semen back to the full amount and also the testicle size back to the full amount just by shooting this analog or injecting this analog of uh, luteinizing hormone called HCG, human chorionic gonadotropin. Your testicles are going to see, oh, okay, there is my signal to turn on. And so then they turn on, they grow back to size, and you start shooting out a normal amount of semen again. And personally, I take HCG year-round since I use steroids for most of the year. I take HCG year-round at 500 IUs per week, 250 IUs per week, because I didn't like having shrunk testicles on steroids. That was bothering me, having that for years. And then uh, also because, yeah, I had the same effect as you where it was reducing my semen uh, production. And so now that I use the HCG, uh, both of those issues have been solved. They're back to normal. And I also produce natural testosterone now in addition to taking steroids at the same time. Yannick asks, what do you think most fighters who piss clean on tests use? Well, it seems like the testing in, like, for the UFC example is really strict now because all of those guys got a lot smaller. So it looks like it's a lot tighter than it used to be. But up until 2016, oral Terinabol, so Terinabol tablets, T-ball, it wasn't detectable more than three days or 72 hours after using the last tablet. But I knew metabolite, and what a metabolite is, is it's a product of the breakdown of the terinabol chemical or any other chemical that means a metabolite. 
there, a new metabolite of turinabol was discovered that can be detected two to three weeks after the last tablet. So that happened in 2016 and increased the detection time from three days to two to three weeks for turinabol tablets. So most athletes were using that until then. Uh, Winstrol and Anivar and Masteron and testosterone suspension and growth hormone are used because avoiding detection and also increasing strength to body weight ratios. But it looks like fighting for the most part, you know, there's not a ton of doping going on there at this point. Next question is from Braden Fulton, and it's a pretty long question, but to summarize it, he talks that he's on a nice strong steroid cycle and that uh, he weighs 140 245 pounds 116 kilograms um and he's trying to put on weight he's muscular he sent me his picture um but he's having difficult doing that you know he's pretty lean and he's really muscular and so i asked him like how much of your what's your diet like and what kind of food are you eating and he told me he's eating about 80 to 90 percent clean and so see that's the thing is that when you've got guys who are this big like over 245 pounds or over 250 pounds, you know, having unclean food has to come into the picture here because he, even this guy, Braden, in the message, he said, it feels impossible uh, to put any more food down. And is there any way to increase my appetite? And no, I think you've reached the limit, dude, on the amount of food that you can put down. And the truth is, is that a lot of these guys who are bigger than you, have got to be eating fast food and unclean food just to get calories in to increase their weight more than that when they're really big and muscular. So that's uh that's the way it is there. Uh, as guys get bigger, the calorie needs increase, and the only way to get those calories in is through junk food. So that's what they do. It's probably better to just be happy with how big you are, though, because you're already big, so just get more cut up or something or just like where you're at next question is from mr too shiny okay a little while ago you got that infection in your quad what precautions can someone take to try and avoid that also what are early signs of infection and how long did it take for the infection to go really bad yeah so the first thing is that I was using a steroid that was produced in an underground lab. It was not produced in a human pharmaceutical grade steroid manufacturing facility, you know, like Bayer Pharmaceuticals, stuff that is bought from the pharmacy and meant to be put into humans. I was using steroids that came from an underground lab, okay? So they were not licensed they were not licensed drugs they were produced by who knows who so that is the reason why i had a health problem was because i took a risk by doing that by not using strictly human pharmaceutical grade steroids i put a mystery substance into my body and it was contaminated so you know i got burned really 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 badly and uh that is why i decided that no more of that for me no more underground lab steroids so just human grade for me now that's how i'm dealing with preventing that from happening again and that's the reality of how to prevent uh, that kind of thing from happening is not making those kinds of choices that are going to possibly go really really bad for you and you know it's russian relay when you're getting those steroids you know if there's a little bit of bacteria in one of the vials and it gets in there and somehow you know gets into the syringe and you inject it into you man you can get really screwed up like what i had happen so early signs of that happening would be like extreme pain and swelling at the injection site and then like the swelling not going away, dis becoming discolored, uh, being a lump sticking out on the side of your skin, and uh, 
you know, not getting better for weeks, not getting better. Uh, when, when it doesn't go away after like, you know, three or four weeks, it is definitely a problem and you need to go to the doctor. Timothy asks, Hey, I watched episode two of the steroids podcast and the part about DHT not building muscle. So if during a high test blast, someone takes finasteride, he will build more muscle since less of the test will become DHT in the real world. No, in the real world, it doesn't really make a difference whether you're on finasteride or not. It sounds like you're trying to make things really scientific. And usually these guys that are like over obsessed in these small details, usually they're leaving something else out in the equation. And that's just not the way it works. These details are so minute and insignificant if the effects are at all that it won't be perceptible to be fretting and spending your time worrying about things like this. Uh, if you need to take finasteride and reduce your DHT, well, then you're probably going to have some effects like lowered sex drive or lowered ability to get an erection. That's usually the main effects of taking finasteride, not building more or less muscle. Rod Riggs says, important question. I have some red area after pinning my first shot of test E. Is that bad? When should I go to a doctor to check if I have an infection or know if I have one? Okay, so you said you have some red area after pinning your first shot. Well, that's pretty normal when you do an intramuscular injection to have some swelling and uh, a little bit of redness at the injection site. Uh, that doesn't mean that it is a problem. What is a problem is when you notice a, a huge amount of swelling and it's really bright red and it's painful and especially out of all things, if it's warm and hot to the touch, okay? If something just happens for one day or two days and it seems like, oh, you're getting some swelling because you just injected something into your body, so your body has a swelling reaction to try and protect itself, that's still pretty normal. It's when you've got something that is sticking around for more than a week, that would be the threshold where you would first say, okay, something is seriously not right. I've had this here for a week and it's not going away. So if you injected that yesterday and now you have, and it was your first steroid inject ever, and now today there's some red area and it's not swollen, that sounds like totally within the normal spectrum. Just keep an eye on it and uh, it should be gone in a few days. Next question is from Jordan. Hey, I'm on 600 test E and 600 master on E. That means an anthate and 50 milligrams Winstrol. What would happen to my physique if I were to lower my test down to a cruise dose before finishing the Winstrol? Would I lose some water attention and look even leaner? Yeah, when you lower the testosterone dosage down to a TRT dose from a blasting bodybuilding dose, yeah, you will lose water attention and you will uh, not look quite as puffy so yeah you will look leaner especially since you said you're already lean uh testosterone also has some hardening properties about it though so keeping it at a trt dose rather than taking it out will generally make you look harder because the testosterone has a really potent effect at filling up your muscles with glycogen so you notice when you go on testosterone you gain like 10 pounds during the first week because testosterone is like a thickener and it makes you look bigger and thicker, a bigger and thicker version of yourself. And it does it really quickly. Uh, a lot of guys think during their first week on, you know, injecting testosterone, they say, oh, I gained the first week was the best, man. I gained 10 pounds. And they that's the cosmetic effect of the steroids. So the cosmetic effect of steroids is something that hasn't been publicized a lot, but it's the initial effects of going on steroids and the increase of 
muscle fuel storage and decrease between subcutaneous water and uh, decrease of subcutaneous water between the skin and between the muscle. So when you get on steroids during that first week, the actual chemical makes differences to the appearance of your body. But those are just differences or changes in appearance that have to do with having the drug in your bloodstream. They're not actually muscle gains. They're just effects of the drug. That's called the cosmetic effect of steroids. So testosterone does have a cosmetic effect, not generally a good one because it doesn't make you appear really hard generally or make you appear really separated, but it does have a cosmetic effect of making you look bigger and fuller. So when you take away some of that bigness and fullness, it takes away some of the 3D look of your pop if you take testosterone out completely or even just reducing the dosage. It also does this. Uh, so it will re- it'll reduce some of that pop in your muscles and make them look more flat in addition to reducing that water retention and making you look harder. So you will look harder, but you will look smaller and flatter and more athletic. And then if you were to drop testosterone out completely, I don't think you would look as hard as if you were on a TRT dose because DHT, dihydrotestosterone, is made from testosterone. You need testosterone in order to make DHT. And DHT makes you harder because it's the same thing as Mastron or Proviron. It's just a biologically uh, endogenous, that means coming from inside the body, made inside the body. That's what endogenous means. And then exogenous means from outside the body. So dihydrotestosterone is the natural endogenous produced in the body hardener, hardening compound or hardener component of testosterone. And so if you are taking no testosterone and then you take uh, 250 milligrams, for example, a couple days later, you'll start looking bigger, more fuller and harder at the same time. So contrary to what some believe, taking out testosterone completely because it messes up the fullness, you won't have that full pressing popping look of your muscles against the skin. And also you lose that DHT uh, hardening component. And that DHT hardening component is the natural hardening uh, steroid hormone that is natural to your body. It's very similar to Masteron or Proviron. And so when you take the testosterone and put it in there, there's an immediate hardening effect. But then if you increase the dosage a lot, you know, say to 750 milligrams or 1,000 milligrams, then you start getting a more water retention effect. But when you keep it down at just something like 250, 500 milligrams or 125 milligrams, you will actually look harder than if you did not have the testosterone in your stack. Next question from of Brad. Sup, Dan. I was wondering how you'd space out the 1,000 milligrams Primo and testosterone. He only pins quads and shoulders because he hates pinning glutes with cramping and mobility issues. Never mind aspirating. Aspirating is when you pull back on the syringe. When you, when you put it in, some guys check and see when they put the needle into their body they will do this thing called aspiration with the syringe where they pull back on the plunger and create a vacuum inside of the syringe barrel. And they do this to make sure that they're not inside of a vein um, and injecting the steroid oil into a vein. But I found this to be unnecessary personally. Um, When you're injecting, the needle is kind of like moving around in there a bit. It's not completely steady and veins are pretty small. So I feel like if I aspirate and, uh, you know, check to see if I'm in a vein, well, basically, as soon as I let go of that plunger, it's going to move a little bit. When I'm finished aspirating, it's going to move a little bit, right? And so, you know, the veins are so small that it's going to move to another space. And then, you know, what was the point of aspirating when the needle moves at all afterwards? So what I do now is I just, you know, I know there are certain spots on my body usually around my hips and ventral glutes hip flexors or glutes where you know they're easy injection sites and i just put it in and press the plunger down and put the steroid oil inside of my body without aspirating now 
But as far as how do you space out the 1,000 milligrams testosterone and primobolin? Well, I like I was using testosterone propionate when I was using the the primobolin. And what I would do is I would take three cc's of primobolin uh, three times per week. And okay, well let me let me tell you what I would do is one time I was using it with testosterone propionate. Okay, so I was taking two cc's of 50 milligrams per milliliter pharmaceutical grade uh, testolic test propionate. Uh, I was taking so those two milliliters every single day, seven days a week. So that was 700 milligrams of testosterone. And then since it was a three milliliter syringe, I would take also, uh, I'd fill up the syringe. So it was a full three milliliters instead of the two milliliters with the hundred milligrams of test probe every day, I would put in a hundred milligrams extra of primobolin. So it was three cc's because the, um, the primobolin was a hundred milligrams per milliliter. And so I'd have that 3cc injection every day, and uh, that would be 700 milligrams testosterone propionate, 700 milligrams primobolin. And then in the middle of the week, I would just, you know, take an extra shot or at some point, you know, I'd just put an extra couple cc's in of primobolin during the week when I felt like it or, you know, one extra 3cc shot of primobolin that I'd add to that. Or if it was testosterone and anthate, which I was using later, and I was using, that's when I was using about a thousand milligrams, and I would just take the, uh, I'd take a, a couple three cc injections of primobolin per week, and then I'd take uh, about four injections of testosterone. You know, it's a lot of injections, and you know, you look in a lot of those pictures, and I was really big and cut up and really freaky looking, and when I'm telling you about all these injections. That's when you realize that, you know, in order to look like that and, and you realize that the guys that are up on bodybuilding stages and, you know, really big at the gym, like you, how important drugs are and, and how much you have to use in order to look like that. You really, it probably sounds like a lot like, oh my God, he was doing all these injections and shit. But you know what? Like people that say that that's not the way it is, they're lying to you. They're at home doing all those injections just the same way that I'm telling you that I was when I looked like that, that's the way it is. You have to take like a fuck ton of steroids to, to be like looking like a total fucking freak monster. It's, uh, it's something where you're taking a lot of injections all the time and a lot of pills all the time. And, uh, it wears you down and it's definitely not a glamorous thing about, uh, bodybuilding and, you know, that's one of the reasons why that information is suppressed and no one wants to talk about it because, hey, that, that's not very glamorous. That's not a, that's not a very flattering or, or glamorous thing to talk about that it's like, holy shit, injections like all day, every day. Like, what the hell? All right, next question is from Komal. <clears throat> Relaxophene actually reverses a bit of gyno or it's just hype. What's your thoughts on that? My thoughts are that I've used Riloxifene, and yeah, it's slightly better than Nolvidex for shrinking gyno and preventing gyno. Most people would use Riloxifene for trying to shrink and get rid of gyno. And yeah, it is superior, but it's not superior in a huge way. It's superior just barely. It's a little bit stronger at shrinking and reversing gyno than Nolvidex is, but it's not overpoweringly stronger. There's studies that show that Riloxifene it's a, it's a estrogen blocker in the nipple, uh, just like Novadex is. Novadex and Riloxifene both selectively target those estrogen receptors in your nipples and block estrogen there. And in studies, scientific studies, it shows that Riloxifene is like an all-powerful god at doing that. And, you know, it shows that Novadex is pretty good too, but that Riloxifene is crazy at doing it. But then in the real world, there's not really that much of a difference between the two. And yeah, it, it's you could take more Nolvidex and get the same effects as taking Riloxifene just by taking a higher dosage of Nolvidex. So I think that's why Riloxifene has never really caught on that much. I mean, some people use it, but still pretty much everybody uses Nolvidex because it's cheaper and it works fine for doing the purpose. I mean, if you really wanted to 
try every option. You could go for Riloxifene, but the one that's tried and true is Noldidex. Okay, next question is from Waycaster. He says, in your opinion, would it be more reasonable to dose throughout the day human growth hormone for a pulse or all pre-workout? I've done pre-training and the pumps hurt like hell. Yeah, human growth hormone really does help you get a pump in the gym. It It's actually pretty profound. It even helps you get a pump when you are on low calories, which that's always a sign of really good things happening if those effects are able to happen. Big pump on low calories. And human growth hormone also just makes you bigger and more muscular through a cosmetic effect during the first few days that you're on it. It only takes about two or three days to start noticing, oh, my body looks different. Similar to the way that if you took oral steroids, you know how within two or three days after taking Dianabol or Winstrol uh, or Superdrol or Anadrol, it's, it's like all of a sudden, whoa, you notice my body looks different. Like it looks more round now. It looks more like my muscles look like bowling balls. And then the performance in the gym starts changing too. Human growth hormone doesn't really change your performance so much in the gym, but it still delivers that stark cosmetic change in your body where two, three, four, five days after you start that first injection of the human growth hormone, you start to see a progressive change in the way that your body looks. Like there's an instant reaction that happens during the first two to three days of taking it where the visual look of your body when you look in the mirror looks different. And that's where, that's a lot of what's dividing, you know, the pharmaceutical grade human growth hormone injections. And all you need is about two to three IUs uh, to get this look. But that's a lot of what's going between you and the guys that you see on YouTube and Instagram. Uh, if you're on steroids, but you're not getting that same look and you're thinking like, God, these guys have something that I don't have. Like you can just see that they are different. Their body is different than yours and it reacts different. And you're thinking like, what is it that these guys have that I don't have? And you're on steroids. Well, once you get on that pharmaceutical grade growth hormone, it only takes about two to three IUs. Then you start to see that's what they had. That's what they had that I didn't have. And you start to see that separation appear on your body where one muscle stops the next muscle starts and it's like all the muscles are separated from each other and they're their own entity and you, they don't really uh flow so much with the body instead the muscles start to look like each one is its own city or something like that i'm exaggerating the uh the effects right now when i say like the own city you know because i'm trying to get this picture in your head of where one muscle starts uh, one muscle has just stopped and then where one muscle start stops, you know, a new muscle is beginning and you can see that stark contrast and it's like, whoa, there's muscles all over this guy's body. Human growth hormone really is a cosmetic. It really delivers a strong cosmetic change and it's such a potent fat burner. It's absolutely the most healthiest and potent fat burner in bodybuilding. I'm not going to include DNP on this because that's poison. You shouldn't take it. But, you know, human growth hormone is a stronger fat burner than clenbuterol is. It's much more expensive than clenbuterol too. But, you know, as far as common drugs in bodybuilding, human growth hormone is the best fat burner. And there's studies that show that when AIDS patients start taking this stuff, their body composition changes. They start losing fat and gaining muscle. Like It's not even debated that this is a recomposition agent. It's shown in studies like over and over and over again that every time people take pharmaceutical-grade growth hormone injections, they lose fat and gain muscle at the same time. That's the way it is. That's what this drug does. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's very strong, man, and it's very good for, like, that visual appearance. It doesn't increase your performance. It won't make you stronger. It'll make you recover from injuries quicker. It'll make you recover from surgeries quicker. It, it really, it's, it helps the structural integrity of your body and it helps 
all the food that you eat to be going to the skeletal muscles, to be going to the muscles. It's like if you've been on low calories, for example, and you're looking flat, well, now you take growth hormone uh, at like three IUs per day, pharmaceutical grade, mind you. And within two or three days, those flat muscles, without changing your diet, and you're on a diet on a calorie deficit, you know, and you're flat, they will change and start like lifting up and having this 3D round full appearance, eating the same amount of food and just simply adding the growth hormone in. And this is when you're already on steroids. And then you add that growth hormone in and it's like magically the muscles just start taking all the food you eat and the, the rest of the body, like the fat cells and everything, they, they are made to starve and the growth hormone directly affects the fat cells too and causes them to release stored triglycerides that's their fat energy into the bloodstream the molecule of growth hormone when you inject it directly attacks uh, that fat molecule and makes it it forces it to release its contents into the bloodstream so when you guys see people who you're thinking like this guy looks like an alien he looks crazy what does he have that i don't have that's because you didn't realize that it was steroids and pharmaceutical grade human growth hormone. And then the next thing is that you want to get generic, but dude, just that's not going to work the way that pharmaceutical grade growth hormone is. Okay. This is the reason why I'm really specifying that it's pharmaceutical grade because that's what they're using. Okay. So if you want to have what they have and you're thinking now, like you're looking at their body and saying, they've got something that I don't have. No, that it's not UGL generic growth hormone. It's pharmaceutical grade growth hormone. Okay, they're adding that to their steroids. They may be adding other things too, but the the difference where if you're on steroids and you're like, what do they have that I don't have? And that's that's the one that is the difference. It's the it's the growth hormone that is going to get you to that next level where you say, oh, okay, now I understand. Now I understand. As far as dosing growth hormone, uh, I'd say four I use per day is my favorite dosage. Two I use first thing when I hop out of bed, um, get out of bed, go straight to the refrigerator, take a two IU uh, dosage, and then uh, a second one pre-workout usually, uh, especially if I like to work out in the afternoons, like the late afternoon, taking a second two IU injection. Or another way you could do it would be uh, before before bed, after your workout. Uh, it doesn't really matter. So... As far as growth hormone being active in the bloodstream, like growth hormone should be injected into the muscle or the fat, but generally, uh, this is different with all different people, but generally from what I've seen, there's more water retention, subcutaneous water retention, if you take growth hormone intramuscular injection. But if you take it in, inject it into the fat, it seems like there's less water retention in general. So when you do take the growth hormone, it stays in your bloodstream for about 12 hours. I've studied a lot of the inserts on pharmaceutical grade growth hormone boxes where you look at the what the studies that they provide inside that they did testing on their own products. And the majority of them show that the growth hormone stays effective and working in people's systems for 12 hours. So that's why I think it's a good idea uh, splitting it up into two dosages, two IUs twice per day. If you're going to use four IUs, uh, that's what I do when I'm using growth hormone. Or the other way that I'll do it is I'll just take one shot first thing when I wake up because it's such a good fat burner. And since I wake up and I'm on an empty stomach, I can just take that growth hormone shot and then go for a walk. And the growth hormone releases causes my fat cells to release a bunch of fat into the bloodstream and then I go for a walk and just burn it all up so it works really good as a fat burner like that and then as far as the pumps too you can do it right before the gym and yeah it will help you get a little bit better pump but it's more about just having taken it sometime during that day it seems like about you know you just take the growth hormone at least once a day at least once a day twice per day is good too but at least once per day and yeah, it, it really helps you get a good pump in the gym. It's pretty cool. It's, it's great stuff. Okay, an anonymous guy sends a message that he has switched from testosterone enanthate to sustenon and upped the dosage from 500 milligrams per week to 700 milligrams per week, and he can feel it now. Do you think 
one can build muscle and burn fat at the same time on the subs he is using if on a calorie deficit. Yeah, I'd say that 700 milligrams of testosterone is probably the minimum dosage if you're going to use just testosterone to start getting body recomposition effects. What he was talking about was that he started out his cycle on 500 milligrams testosterone per week and he couldn't feel it. That's something that a lot of people say because a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to get on steroids and I'm going to have explosive gains and gain all this muscle and strength in the gym. And it's going to be crazy because that's how they've always thought of steroids. But then they go and they take 500 milligrams per week of testosterone and that's being on steroids to them. And uh, then, you know, they're disappointed and they're like, well, why did I just get bigger? Like I'm getting bigger, but I'm not really getting like much stronger quickly and I'm not getting more muscular. I'm just getting bigger and that that's what testosterone does it, it makes your whole body bigger it makes everything bigger <laughs> it doesn't create this quality freaky alien not natural looking body because testosterone is a natural hormone so it creates you know like a bigger version it, it just makes you like bigger it swells you up it gets you swole and then uh the nat the non-natural anabolics winstrol primobolin Anavar, Trenbolone, Anadrol, all this stuff, that gives you that alien, that more of that alien look because those are non-natural hormones and they give a non-natural look. Also, if you're going to use a cycle, he said that, you know, he can feel it now and I would say, yeah, I would say 700 milligrams. That's usually the dosage of testosterone where you can really start to feel like a huge boost in the gym and stuff. Um, but, you know, you don't have to use that much if you stack it with something else. Like if you used 250 milligrams of testosterone per week with 30 milligrams of Winstrol per day for a first cycle, hell yeah, you could really feel that too. It's just if you're going to use only testosterone, usually 500 milligrams per week, it's just not going to give you that oomph, you know, that oomph, that oomph factor. It's not really going to get you that the way that you are looking for next question is from james do you recommend pct with hcg during your cycle right before you go off or waiting two weeks and blasting that with clomid and novasdex i've been running about 1000 milligrams sustenon a week and about 400 milligrams of masteron thanks uh yeah the the HCG, I'd recommend running that as soon as you get off the steroids because the HCG is going to bring your testicles back on again, okay? So when you take your last shot of steroids, you can go ahead and start taking the HCG. That's what I would do personally. And that would bring the testicles back on. It would turn them on directly. And then you'd be taking the Nolva, the Nolvadex and the Clomid, and you can you can start taking that immediately too, or you can wait two weeks. It doesn't really matter, but that just gets your brain, your hypothalamus and your pituitary gland. We talked about, about the hypothalamic pituitary testicular axis earlier in the show today that helps get that working from that angle, from, from the brain angle, the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland. That's what the uh, Nolvidex and the Clomid targets. And then the HCG targets your testicles directly. And so if you use all three, then you've got, you know, targeting your hypothalamus, targeting your pituitary gland, targeting your testicles. That's how you get the best PCT. So you can wait a couple weeks if you want, uh, or you can just start it all. If you had a set amount of product that you were going to use and didn't have a way of, like you were limited on supply for some reason of HCG or Nolvidex or Clomid, then yeah, I'd wait two weeks, let the steroids run out of your system a bit. And then start using the Clomid and HCG and Novadex. Next question is from Christian. Hey man, I'm trying to purchase Cabergolin. Should I assume to buy enough for the part of my cycle where I'll be using Tren 10 to 12 weeks? Or should I buy enough for the entire 20 week cycle? In my opinion, you would need enough for the Trenbolone part of your cycle. And... You never want to take more than 1.5 milligrams of cabergolin per week because above 1.5 milligrams cabergolin per week has been studied and shown to cause 
heart valve defects in most people who take it. So it's not a uh, happy drug to be taking in high dosages. So just take up to 1.5 milligrams per week. That is the dosage that has been studied and shown to be somewhat more safe. And so if you were going 10, most tablets are like 0.5 milligrams. So you'd need two or three tablets per week. And if you were doing 10 weeks, then you would multiply that dosage accordingly. And the last question of the day is by Yarne. He asks, if you do one cycle of steroids and then don't for six months and still keep your steroid gains, and what effect will it have on your body? Okay, I think he means does one cycle of steroids, can you keep the gains for six months? Mostly, yeah, if you don't diet. If you build a bunch of muscle on steroids and then you don't use steroids for six months and you don't diet, what will happen is you'll probably gain some fat, but if you don't lose uh, weight, like dieting to lose weight, then you probably won't lose much muscle either. It'll just, you'll get softer. You won't look as 3D and hard. You won't look anywhere near as good as you did on cycle, but you'll still have the muscle tissue. It'll most likely just be in kind of a hibernating mode state. It won't look as good as when you were on the steroids and it will slowly be decreasing over time, but not by like, it won't be like all gone or something like all the gains from your six month cycle uh, or it's all your gains from the cycle completely gone six months later. You'll probably still have some there. But I mean, when you're talking about six months to a year off of steroids, that's when you're talking about, you know, going back to like more towards a normal natural physique. Because you just have to remember that, you know, if you're going to the gym and you're lifting weights and building muscle, well, now you stop going to the gym and lifting weights, you know, slowly you start reverting back over from six months to a year or so or two years to back how you were before you started lifting weights. So that's the same thing that goes with the steroids. If you've been taking steroids and you build a bunch of muscle and now you stop and don't take any more steroids, well, then your body slowly over time goes ahead and goes back reverting to how you were before you started taking the steroids. If you would like your questions to be answered on the steroids podcast, go to steroidspodcast.com and leave a comment with your questions or email or private message steroidspodcast at gmail.com or steroids podcast on Instagram. Until next time. The steroids podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Guide to Roids, 109 page ebook by Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Now, for the first time in bodybuilding history, you have someone with no corporate interests and no obligation to please anyone, not walking on eggshells to not offend. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the information, the whole information, the whole truth, not a full truth and a half truth, full truth. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the keys to the Lamborghini, gives you the information, and lets you decide what to do with it. It's a crime this information has been suppressed this long.